0: Uh, hey guys and welcome to this episode of metacast our guest for this episode is none other than julie lemieux uh she's played many characters throughout metabots uh here and there and has been described by our last interviewee joe motiki as and i'm quoting here the meryl streep of voice acting
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh joe much too kind (laughs) very sweet of him Uh, how you doing hello Uh, i'm doing great how are you
0: i'm good uh got a lot to live up to with the the meryl Streep of voice
1: acting yeah i'll say <laughs> it's a i know yeah I live up to that
0: <laughs> um but uh, as i said in the intro there you played quite a few different roles throughout metabots um i i did yeah when it was you went crazy. into audition did you audition for a specific role or was it just Sweep. My
1: initial role, that I, if memory serves, uh, was um, Gill Girl. Was the initial role I was given that I believe I auditioned for. I must have. Um, memory does not serve for that part. <laughs> and then all the others followed. Um, I'm gonna forget. I think I had done like eleven by the time I was into the latter part of the series. And when I, of course, got icky in season two i was like oh my god um just so i can't quite remember but i know there were a lot of characters um but it was pretty awesome uh and guild girl was a personal favorite because she was just so evil (laughs) very fun to play (laughs) Um, oh boy. I apologize. I have a crazy dog. I might have to move around because he hates it when I'm on the, yeah. i moving around. I'm moving around. Keep talking to me.
0: <laughs> it's all good. Um, <laughs> so how did those all come about? Was it just, uh, you were there one day and they're like, Hey, I want you to do another character? Or what if you did this character?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, what, what happens in dubbing and, um, part of it is monetary. Um, in t- in terms of, you know, you can um, double up. There's a certain number of roles that you're allowed to give someone without paying, um, without necessarily, I mean, you're either paid by the line or, or by the hour, whichever is most advantageous to the after. So there's a certain number of roles that you're allowed to double up. And really, you're not paying for those extra roles the way you would in regular animation. So doubling and tripling and elevening and is um is very common in, in dubbing you've probably noticed so yes the other all the other roles came about icky was the only other role that that i auditioned for um all the other roles came about they were just given to me um i mean uh, yeah that's correct when uh, just saying okay we're adding in this character this week so yeah um Crazy fun show, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, you talk about taking up the mantle of Icky there. Uh, so Metabot Spirits comes around. Samantha Reynolds uh, leaves Metabots, and so you're saying you had to, I guess, audition to to pick up that role.
1: I did. Yeah. 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 Because you know it's the iconic role, and I think they really wanted to make sure. <laughs> and I have to admit, I was like, I already had so many parts. I was like. Well, I don't think I'm going to get this. When I did, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, those were like really intense sessions. Some of them with uh, playing multiple, you know, roles in a session. I, mm. I love it. <laughs> did you, so, yeah, I was shocked when I got it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Did you Did you roll from character to character or did you try and record like all Icky's lines and then all the next character's lines and then all the next ones?
1: That's correct. Mm. So we'd go from one to the, uh, like, all of one character's lines, and then moving on to the next.
0: How how long do those sessions end up if you are recording like eleven
1: characters? It sounds like they could be strangely. Quite a while. I mean, uh, dubbing really motors. Uh, my recollection is probably the longest of those sessions might have been like three and a half hours, but for the most part, under three. I mean, they you motor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you get go through a lot of material in a short amount of time.
0: Yeah just uh hearing the beeps and just going for it
1: Mm Hmm. yes and we worked on uh three beeps uh i'm sure you know that already um yeah
0: um with with icky coming into the fold did you try to replicate the voice that icky had previously or were you just trying to do your own thing and separate the character a little bit
1: no they had asked us they wanted someone who could as closely as possible match samantha's read um so that was the added complication to that was that i literally had to do my best to i watched a lot of uh a a lot of episodes of of, uh, samantha's work but i samantha has an incredibly uh uh different than what i do a uh, young boy read it's really there's a real i don't know how to it's slot there's a kind of a, <laughs> i don't know how to say it it kind of it's slippery there's a, and and very authentic and mine was less like i i had a hard time replicating that you, i didn't even know that you know what i mean but that's how i describe it. it it slides around a lot i had a hard time replicating that but i did um uh I, i'll call it I felt like I needed to go left of center, like just throw things out in order to get close to Samantha's read. I I, I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever, <laughs> but it wasn't an it wasn't like oh I got that It wasn't an easy match for me um, at all. Yeah. Uh, you you
0: mentioned Gil as like a favorite character. Do you have any moments from episodes that you remember or, or scenes or just fun lines, um, that you can look back on?
1: I wish I could tell you that. <laughs> I just know that some of the, the fun stuff between, and I'm forgetting, uh, squid guts and, uh, who was the third now? <laughs> uh, just the, the, like the three stooges, right? Yeah. The, uh, just the, the rapport between the three. And of course we never recorded together. Hmm. um, I'm often I was in first and didn't even hear their dialogue, but it was just a fun. They were just such a, just such a, <laughs> dumb fun. And I guess Gil girl being the smartest of the trio, uh, just a fun thing to do. Um, I know she had some signature lines, and I'm letting you down because I can't remember them. I just, I just love. I've always loved. And actually it's strange because I've made my bulk of my career playing good, good gals and guys. Uh, But I love playing evil characters just because, you know, you can really, it's not something you live with every day. Well, I don't anyway, <laughs> every day. So it's like going outside of my, uh, my everyday normal range of emotions and really, and you can really push it, you know, and, uh and have fun with it.
0: Hmm. I've heard that from a couple people now, just the being able to, go out there and just express however you want with the villain um mm-hmm. bit of an added bonus it is um so also in metabots you you voice characters uh without mouths in terms of the robots and uh <laughs> the human characters uh for, for dubbing where you'd normally have to match the mouth flaps did you ever approach these characters differently uh, in terms of not having to worry about mouth flaps for characters without mouths
1: <laughs> Well, those are the, from, from a technical perspective, those are the easiest characters, right? Because all you need to match is in intro and extra. Like you just have to get the ins and outs uh, in terms of the length of the line and the rest, I mean, you can just play. You can play a lot more uh, because you're not you, literally, so if you want to change the performance somewhat and make it, I don't know, let's just say a sing-songy character or or something more robotic or whatever it might be, yeah. you're not linked to the performance of the uh, the Japanese performers where they laid it down. Where, so once you've got lip flaps, you can be creative, but <laughs> if it doesn't land, it doesn't land, right? There's You've got to do it over. Um, so you've got much, it's a little harder, and um, at the same time, though, lip flaps, you know, we're used to seeing people's mouths moves, <laughs> and they give us they give us a clear indicator of emotion right which you don't get with the other characters so you're uh of course you get with the uh the, the little arrows and things that come out that's your indicator with the characters that have no mouth so um but not quite not as simple um and i'm simple i mean i like you know what i mean like there's something about obviously when you've got lip flaps you know when the mouth goes huge that you're like freaking out um it's not as abundantly obvious uh with you know with the characters without a mouth but having said that you've got full liberty with those characters so it's pretty cool we
0: we switch tack entirely and we look at i guess original cartoon uh stuff you have you've got no lip flaps anymore uh you're just recording lines how does that style differentiate with with dubbing i guess or do you have a preference between the two
1: You mean dubbing in original animation? Yes. Well, um, I'm very visual. So, and and I spent most of my career actually, I'd say the bulk of, I've been doing animation for 30 years now. So the bulk of my career has been doing original animation. So uh, where really you have to really bring it, your imagination is everything because literally often you're working alone there's just you and the script, and um, so working on dubbing is a joy because literally uh, it's like being a kid again, and you just react, and you know you're splitting your focus between the script and the and the visual, but the visual gives you everything you need to know. So it's and sometimes what I love about it is I've created some characters where I went in a direction thinking cast me just doing something odd and they did and it fits even though it may not have been what was done in the japanese or it may not have been what the majority of people sometimes i like just doing something weird (laughs) (laughs) um because you can you've got the visual and you're like oh that might fit um so you can take bigger risks in a sense um i find anyway and and it's an immediate hit because you've got it in front of you, as opposed to, you really have to, you have to bring it a hundred percent when you're doing original animation. It's all on you, right? I mean, obviously you've got a team behind you who are going yes, no, maybe, like the writers, the, uh, the director, the, uh, the 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 voice director, all that. Um, but um, but in order to get an audition or book, like you you're working straight just. Sometimes you don't even have a picture. Sometimes all you have is the script, um, or even then you don't even have the script. You just have a so, so, select pieces of the sides that have been pulled out. So here it's very when you're auditioning for anime, you're auditioning to picture. When you're working to it, uh, obviously, and there's something very visceral. Very, you know, you don't immediately you you get a very strong hit, and usually that hit is the right way to go. <laughs>
0: Uh, you mentioned that three decades of voice acting it's a a, an amazingly long career and i'm
1: 12 it's amazing (laughs) it you started
0: when you were negative 18 nobody could have seen it coming
1: (laughs) good math
0: (laughs) we're lucky i got that i don't usually get the math right (laughs) um but i guess if we look uh all the way back to the start of your career and we look at now what's changed the most in this voice acting world
1: well uh let's start with dubbing i mean when i what the first time i worked uh on dubbing was with what they call a rhythmo band um i don't even know if that that makes any sense to you but literally where the the script was detected that's the word uh onto a band like like the person would have to literally move the band along and put all (laughs) the script on it now that was an incredibly easy way to dub because like literally it was written out. And Mm -hmm. so if you're screaming, the E would be like huge. Now we were, then I went from that to just the three beeps and that's what Metabots was, three beeps and a script. So the, you know, you've got, you're literally much harder Mm -hmm. splitting your time Um, your focus between the script that's on a lectern and the visual that's over here. Nowadays, it's more like what I call uh, karaoke dubbing um, in that you've got, you know, all these like systems like, uh, I'm not even going to name one because I'm going to get the name Mm -hmm. wrong, but there's a whole bunch of the uh, dubbing systems now and uh, much easier on the eye because you've literally got, you know, and, it, and it, it changes from like the color to let you know you're up in three, you know, and then it goes green and you just, it's literally like karaoke. You just follow the the green. <laughs> um, from when the yellow goes to green, you just follow it along and, and you've got the visual right above it. So that I find is, again, being highly visual, really easy. That's a huge uh, change in, in anime animation itself, what has changed? Uh, well, animation has changed, definitely. How, you know, from uh, anim- When I started, they were still animating with cells. Um, yes, I'm that old. Frightening. And... Uh, well, no, you're 12,
0: we've established 12. This. sorry, sorry, you're right, I
1: forgot. And, uh, and now, of course, you know, you've gone from CGI to 3D and all that. Um, from our perspective, I mean, the types of characters, The not much changes really, I'd say, in a voice actor's world. You know, we have a script on a (laughs) lecture and uh, we're in a studio, or now, uh, during COVID, I'm in my closet, literally. Um, We've all had to work from our home studios, largely. Um, So that's changed. uh, if we're, if you're lucky enough to have a home studio, if you're not, that makes it difficult. But, um, you know, the types of, you know, I I find the the biggest thing, the types of shows that get made are, you know, that shifts, right. There'll be like cop shows or all of a sudden dog shows or, (laughs) yeah. And then there'll be a bunch of them. Like the show, the, this show that I did a show this last year, this year, Yeah, both years that just aired this year called Doomsday Brothers, and at the same time there was another show, another Doomsday show auditioning, and I was like, oh, two Doomsday shows at the same time. Um, So it's funny how that happens. It's almost like I don't know if it's because I'm not involved in that side of it. I don't pitch shows or write shows. Um, You know, it's almost like someone goes, "We need, we need a Doomsday show," and then there's a bunch of them. So you know, everything ebbs and flows in that way. But the, um, my job hasn't really changed that much in 30 years. I do, uh, I, I still work on paper, you know, I, because that way I can, uh, I mean, I know some people might work on an iPad or, but I like writing notes and arrows and things so that I can, uh, so that, you know, it, it lifts off the page, uh, and, um, my eye goes straight to it when, you know, all the little notes I write myself, as I said, highly visual. Yeah. So, but not much has changed for us. Uh,
0: except obviously with the the COVID era coming about and uh, <laughs> shifting changed. everything uh, to home. Uh, mm-hmm. How how easily were you able to, I guess, just pick it up and run with it from a home studio for, for most of your voice acting <laughs> jobs?
1: That's a lovely question. Not... I, um, so over the years, I've always wanted to have a home studio. I actually had one very, uh, poor qual- I had a really great, uh, equipment. I just didn't have a soundproof room. And so I decided, literally, that I, uh, and look, I'm going to take you there so you can see it. Um, I decided that the best way for me to do this was simply to use the smallest space possible to make this happen. Ergo, I'm in my closet. So (laughs) it is literally half my closet here in my office, and uh, it works. That's because I just baffled the sound. So once I got over my stubbornness, and then also got over my, I'm not technical. i had a couple of panic attacks. Um, it was good.
0: <laughs> only a couple.
1: <laughs> only a couple. Truly only a couple, which I guess I'm, I should be grateful for. So it's true that you can teach an old dog new tricks, even if they're 12.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what 12 is in dog years. I don't have that conversion uh, in front
1: of me. <laughs> 12 is, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, outside of metabots you've done there's so many shows like if you look at behind the voice actors your page just scrolls and scrolls um do you have a, a particularly favorite role that you've done or a favorite show that you've worked on
1: well my heart always will belong to rupert because it was my first uh big role uh not my first big it was my first role uh mm. other than I did Chang and Tintin. That's something that's changed. I would never even get to audition for that role today. Rightly so. Um, uh, You know, we'll leave that there. Um, That was my first role. And then shortly thereafter, I got uh, Rupert, um, which was for me a dream come true doing, I, and that show was done ensemble and I worked with some amazing. I, so I like I learned to hone my craft on that show, working ensemble and watching people work uh, as a newbie, and uh, you know having to be literally I was the straight man as Rupert and everyone else was like crazy and just learning to just keep that line, keep that line. It was a good line, and not and let them have the laughs and. Uh, but just, it was, um, it was magical for me. And the show itself is absolutely very true to, uh, the original, uh, strip. So it's, uh, it's stunningly beautiful. So that my heart belongs to Rupert, I must say. Um, but I've done, God, I have been so blessed in my career and I'm not saying it's over. I'm only 12. <laughs> um, like, literally, I've done so many amazing, you know, icon, like roles on iconic preschool shows like um, Max and Ruby and Paw Patrol and um, uh, Come On, Julie, uh, Arthur, um, Richard Scary, you know, uh, B- Busy Town Mysteries, um, all kinds of stuff. Um, and, you know, doing shows for every age group every every i've played bait from babies to 80 year old women how how lucky am i that i've had that kind of a range um love playing uh guys um because again i'm not one so it's always i grew up with two brothers so came very easily to me <laughs> uh, they're they've been my inspiration you know for uh all of my younger male characters um yeah I, I honestly i have so many series that i've been so fortunate to work on but for me rupert is mine i will always be my number one literally <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh so now you talk about being a, a newbie back with rupert and now you walk into a recording studio maybe with some other people pre-covid uh and now you're there with the 30 years experience on you, you're on the other side of the coin. Um, the, the people, I guess, ask for advice or like, Hey, how was that? Um, in the, in the recording
1: booth and stuff like that? Um, not, well, I, I guess I have had some people ask certain things in the recording booth, but mostly outside, like I will have people, um, ask if they can, you know, have a conversation and I'm more, always more than, Um, I, I was too shy to do that. And when I was young, I just, I was like a sponge, but I really was too shy to go to someone and say, Hey, (laughs) never even occurred to me. I really was very shy, but I, so I'm very happy to do that because we, we don't, you know, as, as actors, we often work in isolation, but we don't, we're part of a team. We're part of a much larger team and, uh, an actor's work is often, uh, even a voice actors, um, you know, there's a lot of insecurity because you really don't know when you do something. Did it land? Did you, you know, our audience is even liking it? I mean, you eventually, if you're strong enough in spirit to go on some sites <laughs> and monitor and look, I can't do that. I'm I'm a softie. So I just, I, I hope that people enjoy my work. And if not, well, you can leave it at that. Um, but but I'm always I I I really um believe that, you know, it takes a village and we are all here to help each other out. And and even though um because of the weirdness of my career, I might audition up against a 22 year old actor, I'm I never feel that I'm uh well, it would make me not a very kind person to just go, you know what? I'm just not going to share any of the knowledge I've gained in these 30 years with you. So,
0: yeah. Um, if there's any other, uh, fellow 12 year olds out there, maybe looking at getting into voice acting and, uh, six or eight years when their <laughs> voice cracks and settles, uh, <laughs> do you have any, uh, tips for them or any sort of advice just for the general audience?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the most obvious is if you want to, I I mean, this is my world. So I'm not going to talk about commercials or anything else, because this is my baby, is animation. Um, It's so I I like to talk about what I know. Um, the, The obvious is if this jazz, if this is what you want to do, well, you like any other field of study you study. So watch animation, number one, watch it, watch all the archetypes, the stereotypes, the, and then decide when it's appropriate. When might it be appropriate to break it? Like, look at a character and go, what if that role had been played opposite to what it was done? And what would that look like? What would that sound like? Um, because in casting, when they choose one person, I mean, uh, you know, especially roles that become really, really iconic. It's hard to imagine that there were another seven hundred people maybe auditioning for that, and I'm sure there were other other choices that came very close, and they might have been very weirdly different. So, it's all doing animation is all about broadening your um, imagination because it all lives in here because that world is the is the opposite of covid-19 <laughs> is a world where everyone is free where your only limit is your imagination your physical body does not limit you your even your voice your voice box maybe to some extent but you can move your voice around in your body right you can use a head voice a chest voice Put texture on it. You can, there's so many things you can do, you know, in, and then go into performance and soften, scream so that not everything is the same. Look for the peaks and valleys. So, mm-hmm. to do all that, number one, you've got to know thyself, you've got to <laughs> know your own instrument. So, you've got to watch cartoons, you've got to um, start to learn what you sound like. Um, I grew up like a crazy person (laughs) i i didn't even realize i did this but i gave everything a voice i give my dog a voice i give everything and i made sound effects all the time um you know like i just like open a door and go i didn't even realize i did it it's just the way i am and i've not been hospitalized for it i actually been paid for it so it's amazing (sighs) so that whatever weird thing you've got this is the gig where you can use it and i don't mean you know i just mean if you so do you do sound effects can you do accents um uh again can you switch genders do children's voices explore the range of what you've got and uh if you have a microphone at home do it in front of a microphone with headphones on because it's very subtle work and it's amazing you have to hear yourself to as often they will say that's great but that's eight can you make it nine (laughs) (laughs) and so to do that you know you have to really know well first of all again that's very subjective Their nine might not be my nine but (laughs) because you know i'm 12 but the uh but you really I see it on as on being on a scale in a sense. And so God, it's hard to describe, but the notes. so I just go up a notch in in age, whatever that means. might be adding a bit of texture, might be adding a little attitude. So it's a real combo of technical skill with your body and your vo- vocal box and and acting chops. that's so also, Take an acting class. Uh, take an improv class. Uh, those would be my recommends. Oh,
0: and uh, just as we're reaching the end here, um, I don't know if you've remembered any more projects that you can speak about. But uh, <laughs> we, we were talking about Doomsday Brothers, uh, huh? new season of Bakugan. Uh, anything else that you're, you're working on? That you
1: want to... uh, Snoopy in space which is on Apple TV and the Snoopy show. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, <laughs> wow. Isn't that great? Uh, Charlie and the Coliform Cities. Yeah. Charlie and the Coliform, Sorry, they changed the name. And um, uh, did season one of um, a new reboot of Clifford the Big Red Dog. Uh, so that was fun. And I'm drawing a blank as to all the other things I've done. My my apologies. I'm very good at that.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's no executives watching this going, she didn't mention our show. <laughs> Whoops.
1: If so, my apologies.
0: <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for taking time out of your day to have a chat today.
1: Grady, It's been a pleasure. Nice meeting you. And uh, thanks for having me on your podcast.
0: Cheers.